Welcome to an industry in transition, the must listen to podcast for financial advisors and industry leaders from Tony Siriani, the CEO and publisher of Advisor Hub, where we explore the week's news and events and put our ever-changing business into perspective. Tony is joined each week by industry leaders, mavericks, and disruptors who give their take on our industry and their thoughts on where we are headed. If you want to remain relevant, you can't miss it. Now, here's your host, Tony Siriani. Welcome, everyone, to another edition of the Industry and Transition podcast with Tony Suriani. That's me. So welcome. I'm very happy to be talking with Trap Cloman, President and COO of Commonwealth Financial Network. But I do know we have something in common. You have three daughters and I have four. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, so I've loved it. I often get a lot of people commiserating or saying, oh, you know, how it's do you the best to be a dad. It's, it's been yeah. great. So. It's hard on mom sometimes, but it's easy for us. <laughs> no, it's, it's going well. And they all watch the Marvel Avenger movies with me. Oh, so, sure. Yeah, we, no, that's, we fun. <laughs> that's fun. It's a good time. Uh, well, speaking of family type gatherings, you're just coming off of a, a big gathering. And I, it, it's it's been a long time, just offhand, three years since maybe you guys got together with all the... the the folks yeah. yeah for our, our national conference it was three long long years so we just came i'm just coming off of an event of our own um and uh, it was great to see everybody back together I, I gotta believe you must be still still on a high a little bit with with all the folks getting together you had thousands right uh yeah almost two thousand and wow. you know I, i've been doing these for years and they're always valuable and entertaining and on one level energizing but it's also you know a very intense week uh i came out of this one as i think all of commonwealth did completely energized like the 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 energy you get from the community and the ideas and the feedback and the relationships it was it was just phenomenal across the board and i'll I'll give our conference team a ton of credit they really built an environment where we could connect it just wasn't session after session there was a lot of breakouts where you get individuals meeting based on common interests or demographics and so that you you really found a lot of micro communities uh, that sparked a lot of energy. It's pretty cool. So the, you know, the, the the pandemic accelerated a lot of change, right? And and uh, it, but it also accelerated a lot of conversations around things. I don't know how well they apply to our ind- uh, our industry. I just had a bunch of CEOs together at our, which I'm going to invite you to, you know, for next year we had it for our CEO event. And, and uh, one of the things was we talked about was back to work or back to the office. I guess you shouldn't even say back to work, back to the office. Exactly. And, and you know, we're we're an apprentice business, right? There's no getting around it. I mean, how do you learn this if you're a young person? I mean, going to this event, uh, you're, you're talking about the energy. I, I think there is a pent up desire for us to get together again and be together. There's something to, you, know, you always learn something from the from the, the person down the hall that does 401k, something you didn't know about. You know what I mean? Yeah, what, one of the great things about the conference is I think Commonwealth is great. Uh, our sponsors are tremendous. We all have a lot of material and experience to share. But the most valuable thing by far is the peer-to-peer learning that advisors can get. Uh, both, And one of the great things about the conference is not just the top producer, if you will. They bring their teams and not just right. junior advisors or next-gen advisors. They bring their staff, too. And so all the connections that, that are made, they get their best ideas and learn so much from each other. And I'm always blown away how much they're so giving and willing to share with each other. There's just not a competitive bone in their body when it comes to our community. Yeah. So the advisors really value coming together. And 
I'd also say that's so important. That's so important. The sharing and the transparency is so important, especially uh, especially when you've missed it for three years to you know come back. And, and I think people are are desperate to share. They, I mean, people love giving too. You know. Yep. And you had mentioned some of the you know younger people, the opportunity to build a career and be mentored. You know, the, the whole return to office, I think there has been some confusion or some resistance at times between inertia or life is complex. And we definitely want to be accommodative and respectful of that. But one of the cool things uh, we're now seeing both with our advisors, but also with our own employees in the home office, so many of the young, you know, the 20 somethings, um, are so eager to get back in the office and build those connections. Now, maybe not five days a week, but they definitely want to be in because they realize how valuable that is to learning and building careers. So I actually have a lot of hope, a lot of excitement, um, you know, coming on the heels of being, you know, out of the office for two years um, uh, about our ability to really have a great community still. Yeah, and, and I, I have uh, four daughters, one of as we talked about, but one of whom is trying to get in, into this business. And all four, they're in their 20s. You know, I look a lot younger than I am. They're all in their twenties, like the mid to late twenties, but they all miss the office, and they're all anxious to to get in there, just even just to see things like how does a business lunch work? I want to I want I want to go in the stuff, and I want someone to just tell me, uh, you know, how do I manage this situation? You know, when it's one thing if you do it on a phone, it's a totally different one. And the idea of a conference with with the whole, I love the idea of bringing the staff and everybody together because they can commiserate and talk and let's make this better. Let's make this more efficient. Let's figure out better ways to do things. It's just, it's just better, you know? It, it, it um, is. It speeds up the communication. Totally. Uh, I, so in my speaking to folks from Commonwealth and talking to a couple of the folks that work for you uh, at a senior level, you know, whether we're doing something like this or just like in a and a with me, uh, there's one thing that I, I, I find that's fun and, in, and interesting. And I wonder if this was part of the conference, but I look at it as sort of a key differentiator for your brand. And uh, I think other advisors don't know so much about it, but the way you guys tackle growth or helping advisors kind of grow their businesses is, is pretty unique. Yeah, I, I, I think one of the reasons it starts and works so well is, you know, you have to understand why you grow. What's the purpose of growth? And for us, it's about the advisor's success. And we focus on our existing 2000 advisors first and foremost. So you can buy your way to growth. You can recruit more advisors. And we certainly want to attract great advisors to the business. But it starts by helping our existing advisors really grow. Or I, I almost prefer the word succeed because everyone has different goals. Yeah, we right. want to help them achieve those goals, um, whether it's be more efficient, whether it's preserve what you built or add more clients, become more scalable. And so that starts as our focus. And then that will naturally attract the right advisors from a recruiting perspective. It's a great filter. So as we think about how we approach that growth, there's really two high level things you can do. One is business solutions. How can we be business consultants? We know the best advisors in the industry. You don't have to reinvent the wheel. Let us help you. You're independent. We want to respect that, but we can certainly guide you through a lot of best practices and then we still recognize that the each firm we work with is still individual. So none of it's cookie cutter. Uh, we, we really listen to you and understand you uniquely uh, and then guide you through what we really understand is uh, your best options through all our other relationships. And then the other side of the equation is just operational efficiency. When you're thinking about growth or happiness or time, we really want to give advisors time. And so the more back and middle office functions we can take, is key, but then also making working with us easy. How much can we automate, digitize, 
and make the user interface uh, enjoyable. You know, I'll give Amazon and Uber and Spotify so much credit for really creating a demand for a great experience. And, and that makes, you know, uh, for, for a more productive office. And that's something we've embraced. So he, here's what's interesting about what I'm hearing, hearing you say and hearing you talk about. Uh, you're a businessman and you're looking at this like a business that you want to grow. And I could tell you what's going on and you, you we can talk about this a little bit. But what we see going on in the, the larger industry is a bunch of deals being made. Big yeah. difference between a deal guy and a business guy. You know, I mean, guy, man or woman. Right. So if you're if you're somebody that's out there, you know, and you're aggregating and trying to make deals. I don't think you understand that, you know, financial advisors is more like a baseball team than a football team. These are individual people doing their own thing. And you got to kind of, what you're talking about is how to help make these individuals better and then bring them together as a team. What a deal, what I see a lot out there is these big people looking for scale aggregating without doing any of that stuff. They're just trying to cram people together without, without it. Yeah. And someone listening to this will be smiling at least because I used to be an M&A guy. I, I ran M&A and there are certain values or benefits from doing it that way. So it's not that there's one right and one wrong. There's many different business models out there and it's, it's so key for the advisor just to find the right partner. We're frankly not trying to be everything to everyone, but, but you're exactly right. Um, growing through acquisition, um, it can really result in missing a lot of opportunities that benefit the existing base. And so that's, you know, it is very intentional that we listen to and think about our existing advisors. Growth through acquisition, um, when it can add value to the community or fill in a missing capability or a product, Phenomenal. That 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 may, that makes a ton of sense. But even even when you bring these guys on, they're still coming into the climate that you created, which is about growing your business. I mean, that's the point. And I got, I got nothing against going out there and grabbing stuff, but I do think it's a bad <laughs> model to just be an aggregator that just throws money at it, throws people together, and then thinks that you're not building a business that way. You're cobbling stuff together, but that's not a business. You're you're creating a deal down the road, maybe. And, and importantly, too, like. People want choice. So if an advisor feels bought or sold, or frankly, a client, advisors are doing the same things with books of business. Yeah. You want, you know, I think the best advisors who are later in the careers and they're thinking about succession, they're finding the best homes for their clients. And similarly for us, I don't want to buy an advisor and have them feel stuck at Commonwealth. I don't have a choice. I can't get out of this. I want them to be here, be excited. And I, I really respect that they we have a lot of good competition. They could go somewhere else if they wanted. I like the 30-day contracts that we have with our advisors. I think that makes us better. I, I couldn't agree more. And I think the, the big problem I have, again, you, I mean, you're being a nice guy, a nice guy with everybody, but I'm like, one, I, one thing I don't like you see at these big bank programs, you're like, oh, they own the book. And like, come on, you know, and it's just, why don't you spend all that time and money that you spend suing people, making your place a nice place that people want to stay? <laughs> if, we just, yeah. if you just spend that money helping everybody, wouldn't that be better? Yeah, and it's it's frankly, uh, it's a better economic model. The cost to replace, yes. so if you're losing advisors yes. at one end uh, and you're buying them on the other end, that, that's extremely inefficient. And, you know, we have lost advisors here and there once in a while, usually for, there's no rhyme or reason. There's some unique personal circumstance that drives that. And we'll give them their data. They can call back a month later and say, oh, I have a problem or... I think this trail still went to your firm. I didn't change my BD of record. No problem. We'll go find it and we'll remit it to them. So, you know, they, I can't think of any that 
don't remain advocates for Commonwealth even after they've left or retired. But you're exactly right. You know, our, our focus is on uh, keeping them here because they want to be here uh, because we've made uh, ourselves indispensable. They're going to be better with us than they would be with someone else. Uh, and that feels pretty good when we pull that off. But that's the stuff. I mean, it sounds pretty simple when we're talking about it. But the fact is, that's the whole point of, of having a baseball team versus a top-down, you know, football team telling everybody what to do. It's about your people are there. They're free agents. They can do what they want, but they're there because it's like-minded. Because you're helping them, you're doing, and you're doing better than they can do on their own. You're giving them more resources and stuff, and and having some scale, which brings up another issue that for me, which is. Um, I mean, right now there are some headwinds. We've got inflation. We've got, you know, regulation, I think is a really big, you know, uh, the, they're heightening regulation on our business and saying directly to my reporters and to, to people, we're only getting started here. So there's a lot more to come. So there's a, there's a benefit to scale on the independent, in the independent world. I mean, I, I think they do think the banks on the one side do have that kind of, they're on top of it, but a little mm -hmm. harder for an independent actor to, to, to stay on it. Yeah, I, it, on one level, the regulation is very frustrating because I think they're attacking the lowest common denominator. Financial advisors are, it's an amazing profession doing amazing things for people who are in desperate need of financial health and wealth. I mean, it's not just the returns, it, it's peace of mind. And there are a few bad apples and they're traditionally not in the larger, more established firms, but that's where the regulators tend to focus uh, because, well, I, I, I won't dive deeper into that. But uh, the regulation, it can be quite challenging. And uh, I, I do feel for our advisors who have to spend more time than they should on dealing with such issues versus helping more clients uh, if they had that additional time. On the flip side though, I, I think the best firms, and I'll, I'll put ourselves in that bucket, can use regulation to you know, our, our benefit. We can differentiate ourselves because we'll take on as much of that burden as we possibly can because we have great advisors that they, 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 they aren't monkeying around. And so we'll stand behind them and we can carry that heavy lift. And so that creates a competitive advantage for them versus some other advisors who aren't getting that uh, support from their compliance and regulatory teams. And as funny as it sounds, so we're always surveying our advisors. We're all about the advisor feedback loop. And one of the groups that's always called out, especially from new advisors who made the transition from another firm recently, they love our compliance team because our compliance team's job is to help our advisors grow and succeed and find more time. It's not to punish them or police them. And our, our advisors recognize that uh, and, and appreciate it. And advisors want to do things right. Do you ever run into an advisor that doesn't want to do things? They always want it. They will tell me how to, tell me what I'm supposed to do. I'll do it. Yeah, yeah. well, I'm watching In, Ozark. procedure that's right. Yeah, I'm watching Ozark right now. So I, I think I'm seeing everyone's worst fears of what a financial advisor could be. But that's exactly right. You know, it, it, advisors are part of communities. Uh, it's a very community-based job, especially in, in the RIA and independent space, if you will. Th their clients are in their towns and on their children's teams and in their schools. So yeah, advisors are great people giving back to their communities and they feel a great sense of pride and responsibility to that. So uh, one thing my little uh, birds tell me, which, you know, it's great because I'm because of where I sit with advisors, how I get to know everything. But I heard that it not only was your event successful, but that that you made a, a pretty bold prediction or a pretty bold goal, a uh, trillion dollars in AUM. That, that's where you're going. You sticking yeah. with that? A uh, hundred percent sticking with it. Um, but I, I don't find it to be bold. 
um, if you will. So I think it would be bold or stupid, frankly, if we said a trillion in two years. So we're, we're at about 250 billion uh, right now. So that's quadrupling. And that actually sounds impressive. One trillion is a great number and we're very excited about it. But um, I, I guess I, I'd highlight two things behind that. So one is if we achieve that at an appropriate rate of growth, we can sustain our community and sustain our service without upsetting what makes Commonwealth special, the quality. And that's, that's what people would worry about. See, for me, that's my first right. question. You say a trillion dollars, and I'm like, yeah, okay, but then you're going to lose a lot of the, the, the character and the closeness and all the things that people value uh, of it. Yep. And, and so if we bought our way towards that, that's, that's you know, building our the recipe, uh, right. Common, uh, a mess. That, that would, you can buy your way there, but that is not, the premise that we want to do it on. We want to maintain the quality in the community. We want to keep winning every JD Power Award there there is for our space to accomplish that. And so, if you know, over the last you know seven or so years, we've been growing um, our assets per advisor. So we generally recruit about at our average. So this is organic growth at about thirteen percent, and that includes the market. Yeah, yeah. That has you know when you look at Cerulea data, we we've outgrown our peers. And so to achieve that trillion, we just need to continue that pace plus our normal rate of recruiting. And we're not going to sacrifice the quality of the advisors we work with. Like the worst thing you could say to me is to be at one of our conferences and one of the advisors who I'm good friends with and I know their families and they come up and say, well, why is that person here? That, oh, yeah. that, would, that would break my heart. And that, that is a tenant we will not change. And so the, the trillion we can achieve in... I don't care if it's nine years, 11 years, we can achieve that in, in about nine or 10 years doing what we've always done. Well, I think is special about the trillion and what we, we, you know, the trillion gets a lot of oxygen as it should and as intended. But what is special about it is now I do say, yep, and I'm not buying it. I'm doing it growing our existing 2000 advisors and making them more productive. That that's the path to a trillion. And what I like, what I like about that is that that that's we just got back from our conference, which is was about billion dollar FAs and all about the, the, a lot of guys were 750, 500 million. They were looking to get to a billion. And, and there's that's the way to do it. You build your book the exact same way. You don't go crazy. Yes, there's maybe an acquisition here and an acquisition there. Fantastic. But you've already done a bunch of successful things. Let's keep doing it so that you don't end up with a Frankenstein. You know, yeah. everything so let together. me ask you, what was the most interesting? That sounds like a great conference. What's the most interesting thing you took away from that? Well, other than what you know, what we talked about, which is the enthusiasm of people actually, you know, being being back together. That I think the the feeling was five billion is going to be the new billion, and I'm stealing that a little bit from Ed Swenson at Dynasty, but he's not the only guy yeah. are talking, you know, talking about that too. But that you know, these these things are. Advisor books and their eyes are getting bigger. So when you put out a trillion, that that's kind of what triggered me a little bit too. A lot of the advisors there, you know, a billion wasn't the only thing they were focused on somewhere, but a lot were focused on five. Mm -hmm. And how you know how do we get this going? To, and that you know initiates. I think you'll see. Here's one thing that I think that could happen in your business too. As you grow, the advisors grow, and you, it starts to become a different kind of thing because advisors have to become CEOs. That was a big part of what we talked about too. Now I'm a CEO more than I am a you know sales or just an advisor. You know, and I need to sort of manage a team, and you need a different level of resources for that. You know, too, it's a different, it's a shift. So I I do think these larger teams are going to do that. My my hope and my fear 
is my fear is that somehow we walk away from training people and not just training them to be team, teammates, you know, trap. I mean, training them because you, a lot of firms, we train people and we add them to teams because the good, te- the big teams see a great person, they grab them, you know, mm-hmm. but that's not an entrepreneurial job. You know, we, I, I want to find, I want to hope we don't lose the ability to create other billion dollar producers who start from scratch. That, 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 that's that's my concern. Yeah, because the way I've thought about it, especially within our community, we, we have several billion dollar firms and right. uh, multiples more 500 to a billion. And then we still have, you know, whether it's half or slightly more are, are still silos or smaller groups, individual practices that might come under one banner. But um, what I love is we can service them all. But for some of the advisors who, because they haven't built an enterprise, we have a built-in succession plan for them. They're going to have a great office that can care for their clients, remain part of Commonwealth, and they glide into it. And our large enterprises have this natural affiliation with many advisors who are going to be either looking to affiliate with a larger practice or that be their succession plan. So it's a great symbiotic relationship. But you're right. As I, as I think about you know the, the, the emerging middle ones, I think for the next five years and looking at our advisors, I... I, I feel amazing about that, but you're right. How does that sustain itself and something for I, me to really noodle on? Yeah, I know something to think about, right? So I, I'm always concerned about this next gen because I, I don't see other people doing the traditional training things. And I don't see, by the way, the way that you and I came up in this business and cold calling, you can't do that anymore. So I just wonder how are they going to, I mean, I think the social media stuff's going to work out in a way that makes sense, but you know, we're kind of, we're kind of not there yet. Well, one interesting thing on that um, in terms of the training programs is, you know, Cold calling, even though I think a lot of people learned a lot from it, no one ever wants to do it again, and, and rightfully so. But um, a lot of it, it's tough for a 20 something to have someone commit meaningful amount of wealth um, to a 20 something. Um, and that's where I think a lot of the ensemble or enterprise practices can actually really create that training environment because those 20 somethings, there's programs all over the country now where they're graduating with a CFP. Um, and they know how to come in, add value to an office, run the, you know, the software platforms for the financial planning uh, and be that expert. And so re- really when you can get those types of environments where everyone plays a role, a 20 something is no longer a cost overhead, their value add, and they're learning the industry, learning the relationships, um, you know, the social skills, as we were discussing earlier from being in person are so critical to being a great advisor and being empathetic. And now we don't have to wait for someone to you know, fall out of a training program from a big bank or switch careers in their 30s. Um, so I think between the enterprise approach to building practices and bringing in young advisors and the fact that uh, businesses should be more scalable in the future through technology and firms, you know, not only Commonwealth, but firms that can do the back office, they can support more clients. So um, that's one of the trends I, I've been less concerned about. Uh, and also, you know, from a diversity and inclusion standpoint, you know, as you said, uh, you know, if you're a first generation college person, you know, you come through, uh, it's tough to, it's tough to find new business. You know, you don't, you don't have a natural network. So you need some, you need help with that. I right, look, we believe it or not, we're, we're, we're over time. And as, as much as people love us, I'm not sure everybody wants to listen to us for another half hour. However, we can do, we can <laughs> more of this conversation. This was a lot of fun. And, um, you know, we could certainly do this again. Is there anything in particular that you wanted to talk about that I didn't, that I didn't mention in this? No, you're absolutely right. Uh, make sure uh, short and sweet is always good, but happy to get back together in 2023 and see what's going on. Well, thanks a lot. Appreciate it, Trap. Yeah, have a great Thanksgiving. Take care. 
Thanks for joining us this week on An Industry in Transition. Make sure to visit our website, www.advisorhub.com, and subscribe to Advisor Hub. It's free, and you won't miss any advisor news or events. While you're on site, check out all the podcasts available. Click on the Deals Pages and Resources tab for valuable content, or check out the Markets section with its guru predictions, latest fintech offerings, you name it. Feel free to email Tony Seriani about specific questions we can address on the show. He can be reached by email at contact at advisorhub.com. Please note that all requests and questions are handled with complete discretion and confidentiality. Thank you for listening, and be sure to tune in next week for the next Industry in Transition episode.